Incredible faith promise. Come on, that's what it looks like. Investing and inviting a burden. And so, man, I'm so ecstatic because that is the heart you just watched of promisers. What I want for my birthday is for you to come to church with me. It's just off the chain. Well, it's here. It's Palm Sunday weekend. Passion Weeks begin. And Easter is just around the corner. Exciting. Leave the light on. That's going to be the theme of Easter. We've taken a promiser and done a short, uh, short creative film about her life, and then we'll follow into that with a message. It's going to be off the chart. 51 Easter experiences in 10 locations. 51 services, 10 locations. There is a time that works for you. There is no excuse, amen? Many of you, gratefully, will come to more than one service. Why? Because you'll bring different friends. You'll come in the morning or an evening. You'll take folks to dinner. Why? Because that's the heart of Faith Promise. People we've been praying for and praying over, praying into, pouring in their lives, believing that the real love of Jesus is going to transform them. It's going to be what I love to call Easter miracles. Prodigals are coming home. Lives are going to be changed. People be transformed. So let me challenge you, bring people with you. Don't just invite them, bring them with you. Matter of fact, let's bring people and let's give them to Jesus as an Easter Easter offering. Are you with me? This Easter for you, I'm just going to bring people that need to know you. And God, whatever you do with them is up to you and up to them. I'm just going to believe it. We're going to have baptisms in every service across all of our campuses. going to be in Incredible. I'm praying, folks, this is, this is incredible, but do y'all believe that we could see 500 people come to Jesus and follow him in believer's baptism in 51 services? So pray with me. And getting ready for that harvest this Saturday after Easter, uh, we'll be having a, a small group leaders conference, all the small group leaders coming in Saturday morning leaders. Man, it's just so important that you be there so that we're all on the same page. So I want to challenge you, be there for that. It's going to, it's going to help. Now, I want to clear up some social media confusion. Have you ever noticed nobody gets it right on social media? Have y'all noticed that? I'm believing, I'm, about, I'm, I'm really about to, it's fourth and long, I'm about to punt social media. And so, but, but, but people have talked about we're not having service the weekend after Easter. We're having a magician. No, we're having services at every campus, the normal, camp, normal services. I will we'll be using Justin in the message, a message on spiritual warfare because how the devil is a master distractor, and that's what magic is for, a, you know, it's to get people looking one way and do something else. So Justin will do a few tricks in the weekend at, at all of our campuses, and then Sunday night, he's doing a ticketed show. You got to get tickets. It's going to sell out because this will be the campus he's going to be at. So if you want to be there, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. I will not disappear. I don't believe that stuff. So come on. You want to be here. So over the last month, we have challenged every promiser to become a fearless witness of Jesus' real love to those people that he brings around you. Is that right? Is that God's will for us? So that's what he wants, everyone around us. Because when we are fearless, it's amazing what we will see when we believe. Some of you have not invited some people 
you've hesitated talking because you just don't think they'll come. If God can save me and God can save you, God can save them. Do we serve a big God? And so God is stirring on their heart. You don't know what he's doing to people. And so, man, don't, don't just invite them, invest them, invite them. Who are you believing the, to, to bring with you this Easter? What are you believing God to do in the lives of the people that we bring? All those folks, Michelle and I, we've got a list of people from our gym and our CrossFit box that we're praying for, believing God's going to, we're going to invite, believing God's going to move miraculously on their lives. Amen? Before we get out of ourselves, I'm sorry, welcome every campus. We're thrilled to have you. Is everybody glad to be in the house of God this weekend? Man, come on. So... We love you guys, all of our campuses. You could be online. We're thrilled to have you guys. God Behind Bars, listen, Easter, let's set records at both of our God Behind Bars. Listen, Blount County, 200. 200, I'm coming back live, so come on. 200 Easter next weekend, don't miss it. By the way, God is moving. Campbell County campus already setting record baptisms. Best year they've ever had already off the chart. Anderson County, who set an attendance record two weekends ago, set another one last weekend. They're on fire. Way to go, Anderson County. Light it up. Sid, uh, who's one of our pastors, he's on our staff, is actually, we're moving the Anderson campus. They're just out of space. We're moving them. And so incredible what God is doing. Now, one of our, we have six core values. One of our core values is this. We tell them of him. Those who have been radically rescued, radically rescue others. And so, promisers, let's never miss an opportunity, ever miss an opportunity to tell people that are far from God about the transformational love of Jesus. So, miss an opportunity means you've got to be fully present. You've got to be alert because God is working all around you. If you missed last week and go back and get it, I did an interview during the message. And so, with, with Dr. Barrett, incredible. There are opportunities around us to share the transformational love with Jesus if we are paying attention. Does that make sense? So we're going to dive into an odd sort of story. It's a difficult story. It's a story in 2 Kings about utter hopelessness of the people of God. And some of you are going to find yourself in this story because you're at a point of hopelessness, helplessness. You don't know what you're going to do. Matter of fact, you're wondering, can God even move? in my situation. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you'll open our hearts, our minds. God, that we will do what the Apostle Paul said. We will make room for you to move. So this weekend, Palm Sunday, as the crowd celebrated Hosanna's Jesus' triumphal entry, the same crowd that shouted crucify him. We are on your team, God, and we want to make room for you to speak in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... So if you've got your Bible, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. You may have it digitally. That's okay. Whatever way you have it, paper or technically, just turn your, your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to be reading for that. If you didn't, have, you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. We always put the, the verses up on the screen, so we got you covered. They're up there. But, but, it, but here's, here's the deal. Opening our Bible is incredible, but we have to open our minds we got to open our hearts. We have to make room for God to move. Does that make sense? 
because the truth of the Word of God is better than anything this world has to offer. So this weekend, I want you to engage, I want, want you to listen and hear this story and see the miraculous power of God. And by the, by the end of this weekend, we believe God's going to speak to everybody. So let me set the stage of what's happening in 2 Kings. You know, you know the whole story, the exodus, the nation moves in, Joshua's the, Joshua's the leader, then they, they develop, they take the territory, they worship God for a while. Doesn't take long until they fall away from God and they begin to worship idols, the God, the God Baal. Not only that, but they were literally, they were sacrificing their children to Molech, which was a giant iron griddle, red hot, throwing their children, offering up to Molech. God said, that is so detestable, I could never imagine anybody would be that evil. That's what God said. And yet, you know in America today, states are voting and approving to kill children after they are born. So we're not very far from then, are we? Come on, are we? I mean, you, the doctor, the, you know, the, the dad, the mother, we'll decide if we want to keep it. Does it look good? Do we like the eyes? Whatever. If not, just go ahead and kill it. We'll be good. That's where we are. We need God back in America again. Does that make sense? Man, come on, somebody. So they had forsaken God. Because of that, a civil war breaks out, and Israel is divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom which the capital is Samaria, and that's where we're going to, the story's gonna be found. The southern kingdom, or it's called Judah, the southern kingdom or Judah, there are two tribes that are that, 10 tribes are to the, to the north, two tribes. The capital of Judah is Jerusalem. So if things are bad, let me show you how bad they are. Second Kings 6, pick it up in verse 24. Now it came about after this that Ben-Hadad, the king of Ram, gathered his army, and went and besieged Samaria, circled it. Nobody can get out. Nobody can get in. They have an army out there, and they, they would literally in that day and time spend years outside of a city. Siege. There came a great famine. Can't get to the fields in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. I don't know about you, but I've never thought about going to a donkey's head restaurant. Are you with me? 80 shekels for a donkey's head and a fourth of kebab of dove's dung. How about that? Caviar and bird poop for five shekels of silver. As the king of Israel was passing by on a wall, on a, wall a woman crowded and said, help my Lord, O king. And he said, if the Lord does not help you, from where shall I help you? From the threshing floor or the rind press? And the king said to her, what is the matter with you? And she answered, listen, listen. This woman said to me, give your son so that we may eat him today. You notice what they're eating? Her child. And then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said it on the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she's hidden her son. When the king heard these words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall. And the people looked, and behold, sackcloth was beneath on his body. Now, would you guys agree things are bad? Eating their children, people are starving to death. It doesn't get much more hopeless than this situation. The people of God are Samaria, the northern tribe. They're surrounded, they're sieged, and they're starving. 
Where is God? Now, what we have to remember, because see, isn't it crazy? If you're listening, say I am. That we never think about God, people don't, until a, until a disaster, until something terrible happens, and then we blame God for it. Are you with me? And we say, oh, if God was good, we do all that kind of stuff. And so that's the situation. Have you ever felt surrounded by circumstances that were absolutely horrific, like your world was under siege, like you were surrounded and didn't see any way out, like you were starving spiritually? Life can get pretty hopeless at times, can it? You ever been there? Now, for a lot of us, we're not there anymore. We're not there. Many of us came to Jesus like that. We bowed our knee. We confessed our sins. We gave our lives to Jesus, and he moved in, and he transformed us. Are you with me? And because he is in our life, things are not like they used to be. Things are not perfect, but because we follow his feeling, because where the Spirit leads... I will follow, and, and because of that, we can walk in the fullness with the, with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because even when things are not going all our way, we have the joy of the Lord as our strength. And man, God walks with us. What if you didn't have Jesus? Do you remember what it was like? Does anybody remember what it felt like before you got saved? Does anybody remember that? I don't know about you, but I was hopeless and helpless. My life was in absolute sheer turmoil. That's why real people with real problems should burden and bother us, that their lives are out of control. It should make a difference. Those people, are you, are you with me? We ought to be burdened. We ought to be bothered. Does that, does that make sense? Does that make So the, their situation, people that are around us, their situation should interrupt us. Our day, our plans, our agenda. Their everyday ruin should ruin our everyday. Their lives should wreck our hearts because they're far from God and they'll spend eternity without God unless they come to Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Do people that are far from God, do, do they matter in your life? Do, they, do you think they matter to God? Then, then it should impact everything that we do, everything. See, what I love about God is even when we step in stupid, even we hurt ourselves, God is still there. So here's Samaria, who they, they sin first. Later, Judah, the southern tribe, is going to follow suit, but the northern tribe will ultimately be taken, not by Ben-Hadad of Assyria, but later. So they're in the midst of this idolatrous worship, killing their children, and yet what happened? God cares about what's happening in the midst of their mess. Sometimes you may think, Chris, I did this to myself. It's all my fault. You know, God don't deserve. It's not about what we deserve. Not getting what we deserve is God's mercy. And getting what we don't deserve is God's grace. Amen? I'm for mercy and grace. I don't know about you, but I want a big dose of both. I don't want to get what I, what I deserve, and I want to get what I don't deserve. And so let's pick it up, verse 3 through 5 in chapter 7. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. Remember, it's surrounded. And they said unto one another, why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, 
then the famine's in the city and we'll die there. If we sit here, we're dead meat too. Now therefore come, let us go to the camp of the Armenians. If they spare us, we will live. And if they kill us, well, we're dead meat anyway. Sounds like really good wisdom, doesn't it? So they rose at twilight to the camp of the Armenians. And when they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Armenians, behold, there was no one there. Incredible. Now, one of the things I want us to realize is many of us don't think that God could use us. If God can use four lepers, hated, mocked, despised, and feared, they're outcast in society. They're not allowed into the city. There were leper colonies in caves or in tents outside the city. That's why they're at the city gate. Why? Because they didn't belong inside the walls of the city. They were outcast. And many of us have felt like outcasts, haven't we? And felt like there's no place for us. Listen, if faith promise, we love you. And you're welcome. You said, man, I feel like an outsider. Then come on and join. Come on and get involved. You say, but I'm not sure what I believe about God. Man, we listen, you can belong before you believe. This church was founded 24 and a half years ago to be a church to meet people where they are that are far from God. There are a lot of great churches in and around Knoxville. We're the church that's after people far from God. Is that right? Y'all still good with that? Y'all, is that fish is still good? Come on, that's, so that's why Easter is about that. So these guys are outside, unwanted, unclean, and hated, and very unworthy to be used by God. Unworthy. They felt unclean and unworthy. Matter of fact, if anybody walked around a leper, they had to ring a bell and shout, unclean, unclean. Listen, you think you feel bad about yourself? How'd you like to walk around? Clean, unclean, unclean. That's what they did. And so some of us here struggle with being a fearless witness because you feel so unworthy. Maybe you feel unclean. You feel like an outcast. God could never use me. And it's just an absolute lie. You may even believe I'm unworthy to be loved. I'm more unworthy to be used. I'm, I'm just unworthy for God because I'm unclean. Listen, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God wants to use you to be a part of the transformation of other people. Don't believe the lie of Lucifer. Now, look, there's another group of people. Listen, you got saved when you were seven. The worst thing you ever did was smoke an orange crayon. You never, man, you never did drugs. Man, you were a virgin when you got married. You didn't drink. You didn't party. You didn't cuss. You didn't do any of that stuff. And you get saved as a young age. And here's what you think, which, by the way, is my, are my heroes. My heroes are people that fell in love with Jesus at eight and served him all their life. They didn't have to step in stupid and think all the, man, that's my heroes. That's a testimony I love. It's incredible. But some of you, because that's your story. I got saved in VBS and I've lived for Jesus and I've loved Jesus. Listen, you think, well, man, I don't have a story like the pastors. God can't use me. That's a lie. God wants to use you. What can I tell somebody that's far from God? What can I tell somebody who's trapped in sins? You can tell them that you were once lost and now you're found just like them. You don't have to go through what everybody's been through to share the love of Jesus with them. Come on. So, because see, it's not about you. We want to make it about us. It's not about you. 
It's about him. Can you lift Jesus? Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Come on, that's what God wants to do. Let me just give you the truth. God uses those that seem to be unworthy, that feel unworthy, that feel like they can't be used. Have you ever read the people in the Bible that God used? The worst bunch of thieves and robbers and murderers around. What's the first thing that Paul does when we find him? He's killing Stephen, the first martyr. What's David do? He's an adulterer. He's a murderer. What does Abraham do? He tells people that his wife's his sister so that he can live because she was smoking hot and everybody wanted her. That's my sister. Take her. What's a man of God fighting for his family, isn't it? I could go on and on and on and on. And these are the (laughs) these are the Hebrew eleven. Big dogs. If God can use them, he can use us. Amen. Come on. And God wants to use you. So who are you bringing for Easter? Who's God going to use you in? Listen, you want to see something amazing and incredible? I don't know about, if you want, amen. If you want to say, I do. Come on, that God wants to do something. God has cleared a way through Jesus to make you worthy. He that knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when God the Father looks at you right now, he puts on his Jesus shades, the blood of Jesus. He sees you as holy right now. That's that's what's called positional righteousness, the imputed righteousness. You're already seated with Christ in the heavenlies, blessed with all spiritual blessings. That's why the gospel is so stinking credible. Are y'all with me? Man, you see, he, make us, he makes us worthy to be used. These beggars in this story were the last people to bring good news. So listen, they're so unworthy, they walk in the enemy's camp for a mercy killing. No big deal if we sit, we're gonna die. If we go, they kill us, we're gonna die. And what did they find? They didn't find a mercy killing. They found deliverance, that the enemy was defeated without one sword or without one shot of a bow. And I'm telling you, when the enemy attacks you, it is God who will fight for you, in you, through you, to defeat the enemies of hell that want to pull you down, that want to rob your joy, that want to trash you. God is there fighting for you just like he was right here. Does anybody want some of that? Come on. So God is revealing and rescuing through his love to people. Listen, they're worshiping Baal. They don't worship Jehovah. They're killing the sacrifice and their children. See, your past and your pain and your problems, your troubles, God is gonna turn them into a platform for his glory. Look at my life. Drug dealer, dope addict, God turned my scars into stars. And I've spoken all over the world. Why? Because, listen, not because I'm great, because I know this great God that loves everybody. Does this make sense? Come on, let's go back, check it out. Verse six through nine. 2 Kings 7. Therefore, they arose and fled into the twilight. Remember, they get to the camp, the camp's empty. They, they fled at twilight, left their tents, their horses, their donkeys, even the camp just as it was, and fled for their lives. When the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp and entered one tent and ate and drank and carried off the silver and gold and clothes and hid them, what would you have done? Starving to death. Party! Man, check it out. Dinner's already ready. We don't have to cook it. This is incredible. Look what God has done for these people. So they, they, they get all the stuff. They go eat. They take everything, and they go bury it. 
And they do it over and over. Then they said to one another, we're not doing right. Hey, boys, this is not good. This is a day of good news. But if we are, keep, but if we are keeping silent, if we wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go tell the king's household. See, while they were banqueting and dining, everybody else was starving. And let me tell you, we live in a culture where people are starving spiritually. And God uses people that are outside the walls to bring his rescue and his love. That's what he does. But see, if we hoard and we hide what Jesus has done for us, what did they say? We are not doing right. Has anybody been blessed by God? Anybody saved at any campus this week? Anybody, anybody born again? Anybody? Come on, let me hear it. Then if we hoard and if we hide the blessings and the favor and the truth that we know there's a way of escape and we do not tell people we are not doing right. See, Easter is going to be like walking into the enemy's camp. It's going to be packed full of God moments and opportunities. We've taken them. We got a short film. It's about six minutes. A true story about a promiser. It's going to be off the chain. We're going to a simple gospel. Give people a chance to respond. And then we're going to give people a chance just like on the day of Pentecost. Come forward to get baptized. It's going to be God moments, God opportunities at all of our campuses. It's going to be, man, for your family, from your friends, for your coworkers and your teammates and your classmates. Man, who are you sharing with? Who are you praying for? Who are you inviting and believing God? Does this make sense? Who are you sharing and inviting, bringing? Uh, what, what, who? Telling people of the richness and the blessings that you've discovered from God. Your new life and your relationship. They are never meant to be hidden and hoarded. What Jesus has done in our lives. Come on. So for four weekends, we've talked about this. We've talked about challenging every promiser. To who are you bringing for Easter? Does that make sense? Come on, does that make sense? Now, you can't force somebody to eat. You can't. So don't bring Jesus up and try to cram him down somebody's throat. That doesn't help. What you can do is tell your family and friends the incredible things God has done for you and your family and tell them where they can come get some. Tell them where you got it. You notice in the video, hey, let me tell you where I got it. But, but come on, if you're listening, say, I am. God wants to use you. Sharing the gospel, inviting people. is just one beggar telling another beggar where you found bread. It's not hard. One beggar to another beggar where you found bread. Let's, 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 let's look at the story. 2 Kings 10. They came and called the gatekeeper of the city and told them, saying, we came to the camp of the Arminians, and behold, there was no one there, no voice of man, only horses, Tied, donkeys tied in tents, just the word. Then the gatekeeper called and told it to the king's household. Verse 14. They took therefore two chariots with horses, and the king sent after the arm of the Armenians, saying, Go and see. They went after them to the Jordan. Behold, all the way was full of clothes and equipment, which the Armenians had thrown away in their haste. Then the messengers returned and told the king. It's good news. Who brought the good news? Four beggars. Four beggars told them. Just hey. Man, it's right there, boys. Everything is, everything is there. Does this make sense? 
Everything is, everything is there. Food's there, everything we want. It's all there. Isn't that how God works? Isn't that what he does? Isn't it just off the chain how faithful and good our God is? Does that make sense? Anybody feel that way or am I by myself? I can't hear you. Come on. So God uses those who are fearless. Let me ask you a question. What did those beggars have to lose? They stayed there, what was going to happen? Go out there, they might die. Go in the city, they might die. They didn't have anything to lose. What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? These beggars broke the most incredible news that Samaria had ever heard. And even though they never got near the king's household, the gospel spreads. When you share, when you invest, man, the gospel spreads. Does this make sense? It's just incredible. It's what God wants you to do. Beggars breaking the news off the chart. Can you imagine what people thought about them? These were the, the people they were trying to help were the very people that had kicked them out of the city. That's what was going on. Disgusting, dejected beggars used by God to spread the good news. And God wants to use you and me. Are you with me? God wants to use us to bring people to spread the word. That's, the, that's what God, uh, you say, wait a minute, man, Christians, we're just not favored in America. Listen, we're favored more than the beggars, these, 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 the lepers, is that right? Come on. They may make fun of us in, in Hollywood and all that kind of stuff, but look, we're, we're better off than these beggars are. So, man, it's our job. So who are you bringing? Easter. Who are you praying for? Who are you fasting for? Because for some of our campus, Easter will start on Wednesday, some Thursday, some Friday, some Saturday, some Sunday. There'll be Easter services everywhere. You say, but... The people in Samaria, they knew they were starving. People in America, they don't know they're starving. Are you kidding me? Have you read the headlines of all of the survivors of school shooting and those parents that have killed themselves in the last couple of months? Have you seen last month 3,800 Americans overdosed on drugs? Their life sucks so badly that they've got to slam heroin into their veins or fill their cells full of prescription pills or they're going to drink themselves to death or they're... They're, they're going to die overdose of meth. Why? Because their lives are jacked up and they are starving spiritually. In the midst of the mess that we live in, we get to bring Jesus. Come on. We just got to be fearless. Can we put up with some discomfort? Maybe, maybe someone will be mad if we tell them. Who cares? Are you more afraid of them or watching them spend eternity from God? See, sharing Jesus is our only choice because he's their only chance. Y'all believe that? I believe Jesus is coming back soon. Anybody believe that? We may just have, listen, we may just have this weekend. We don't know how long we have. Let's get busy. Now, some of us all across our campuses say, man, I'm, I'm confused. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. You, if you had a relationship with Jesus, I don't have any problem talking about my wife, Michelle, because I love her so much. I don't know anybody, I don't have any problem talking about our grandkids. Our children, that's a different story. But our grandkids, I don't have any problem talking about. Why? Because I love them. See, I don't have any problem talking about Jesus because I love him. But if you don't have a relationship with him, what, you, can't tell, you can't tell people about being set free when you have it. 
You can't tell people about a relationship you don't have one. I'm not talking about being religion. Man, religion is nasty and stinks in the nostrils of God. It just does. Religion is keeping people from God, not taking people to God. Jesus is the only way. So if you're ready to have your sins forgiven, if you're ready to invite Jesus into your heart and life, then right now we're going to every campus, come on campus pastors, you guys come up. We're going to give our, we're going to all pray this simple prayer. If you're ready with the heads bowed and eyes closed, come on. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know we're separated. Heaven is not my home. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. You died for me. You rose from the grave. I put my faith in Jesus alone. Save me. Fill me. Help me walk with you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, with nobody looking around, let me ask you, if you prayed that prayer with me at all of our campuses, just lift your hand up. Say, hey, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Just lift it up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Put them down. Go ahead and put them down. Look up here. Every, every section at Pell, there were people that said yes. We know there's people. Come on, God, behind bars. I know there's some men this weekend gave their heart to Jesus. Come on. There are people all across our campuses. Do me a favor. Pull the communication card out in front of you. Fill the top part out. Check the circle, I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. Check the second circle, I like to be baptized. What better time than Easter 2019 to put on the uniform and follow Jesus? And then just, get, just circle three, I like to attend next steps. This weekend we're gonna talk about the secrets of getting to know God in an intimate level. So at Pellissippi 615, you can go to next steps, 1130 at all of our campuses, you go to next steps, gonna be off the chain. Faith promise next step is our next step. So I want to invite you to go be a part of that. But if you would fill the online, if you'll click right there, you can fill the communication card out. Someone will be in touch with you. All of our campuses, we're here for you. So we're going we're gonna to do two things. And we're going to sort of do them almost simultaneously. We're going, to, we're going to give as an act of worship. And then as the ushers pass you, want you to get up at, uh, and just make your way to the table of the Lord. Now, in, in offering, if you're at the Bible reading plan, how many still on the, don't lie, how many still on the Bible reading plan? Let me see your hand. Okay, come on. Come on. All right. The rest of you didn't hold your hand up. Listen, don't catch up. Just start back tomorrow. Amen. Just start back tomorrow. We just finished Deuteronomy and moved into Joshua. As, jo- as Moses was speaking to the children of Israel about bringing their offering. This is what he said. If you're listening, say, I am. He said, remove the sacred portion from your house, which was the tithe, first fruit of the, of the harvest, of the, of the flocks, of everything. First 10% is God. He said, remove the sacred portion. Then we move into, into, into Joshua. They defeat Jericho, and they get defeated at Ai, and God said, because you have kept the sacred portion, somebody stole what's mine. They find out who it is, and he's dealt with, and the favor of God. Listen, when you bring your tithes into the house of God, you remove the sacred portion. So what Michelle and I do every other week, first thing, when, when we get a check deposited, Michelle automatically, it's just what we do. We, we, we send our tithe and offering via online because it's easy for us and easy for the church and office. So, but, but, so we're going to give. In just a minute, the other going to come drop your cards in. 
And then we're going to gather on the table of the Lord. Worship team's going to come. It's what, here's the deal. The more you see what the gospel means, the more the Lord's Supper means. It's not a religious tradition that we eat a cracker and we drink a little grape juice. So take that cracker and the juice, go back to your seat, and just you and Jesus say, Jesus, your body was broken for me. Thank you. Eat the cracker. Jesus, your blood was spilled for me. It covered my sins. Thank you. And take the Lord's the cup, and we're just gonna, we're gonna, we're just gonna worship. And so don't move until the ushers have passed you. And as the ushers pass you, then we'll start from the front to the back, depending on which campus you're at, and we're gonna gather on the table. Amen. Is that clear? So God. As we get ready to worship twofold, we get ready to worship through generosity, giving, and as we gather around the table, I don't know how many times I've grabbed that cup and then remembered the needles that were in my arm, the dope that was in my system, the hell that I lived through, and that you rescued me. Forever, I'll be grateful. Fill us with gratitude is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.